Good morning. It is Friday, April 10th, and this is Community Pulse, KOPN's local report on the coronavirus outbreak in mid-Missouri. Thank you for joining us this morning. Today marks three weeks since we began producing Community Pulse, and if you've been tuning in, you probably know that we've been gathering questions and comments from you, our dear listeners, along the way. We've been receiving a lot of feedback from you this week, and so we thought we would set aside today to respond to these questions, and uh, we just love to hear from you. So um, this is a critical part of what we're doing here at Community Pulse, so if you would like to contribute a question going forward, you can call us at 573-874-1139 and leave your question as a message, or you can send it in an email to gm at kopn.org. Joining me by phone, as always, is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters. Good morning, Elizabeth, and thank you for uh, so much for taking the time to respond to our community's questions. Good morning, Tim. I, it just <clears throat> warms my heart to have people listening, um, to have all the questions coming in, to know that this is really a dynamic community resource, as KOPN often is. So it's just a real uh, honor to be a part of the KOPN community. Um, so I want to get started with just a few numbers. Uh, worldwide, 1.6 million cases with 97,000 deaths. Uh, 369,000 people have recovered. In the United States, um, we're approaching 500,000 cases with 468,000, uh, 16,600 uh, deaths, and 27,000 recovered. So we're still running one in three, one in four worldwide cases are here in Missouri. The Missouri numbers, I have chosen to start to, to follow Matthew Holloway, H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y, on Facebook. He is um, really searching through the Missouri numbers and trying to have a real transparent uh, approach to collating those numbers in a way that's really helpful to me and my thinking. Uh, uh, he says we've got uh, 3,700 cases. Um with 75% of counties in Missouri reporting cases. And I'm just going to guess the other counties that haven't reported yet just haven't found their cases yet. Um, 97 deaths, which is only uh, an additional two from the last 24 hours. Uh, and in Missouri, 23% um, of our ICU beds are available and 62% of our ventilators are available, in part because um, in the last couple of days, they've been uh, the Missouri Hospital Association is reporting an increase in capacity. So um, kudos to all the people who are uh, moving heaven and earth to uh, prepare for what is a peak that we haven't gotten to yet. Boone County, again, from uh, Matthew Holloway, 78 cases uh, and one death. Those numbers are holding pretty steady and are probably a reflection of being uh, two and a half weeks into our stay-at-home order, and folks are really uh, working hard to do that. Um, there's a national uh, website that is following um, cell phone movement and the changes in the amount of movement of aggregate cell phones. And uh, Missouri has moved from a C to a B minus, so we're moving less. We've changed our, our cell phone habits more than we had before. Um, and I know that there are still absolutely um, necessary movement, and I'm not suggesting that anybody not move their cell phone at all. But um, 
and that people who live rurally have to travel farther than people who live in cities. I totally get that. But that we all need to change what we're doing, uh, and especially with this holiday weekend we're, we're in the midst of, um, which is typically a time when people really increase their travel. It warms my heart to see that people are doing what they can for all of us. So. Um, So let's get to the questions, Tim. Yeah, sure. So I thought we would start off with a a question uh, left on our answering machine by by our very own Christine Gardner. Um, She's been having some concerns about uh, how she gets her groceries, so I'm going to play that for us. This is Christine Gardner. I've got kind of a comment and a question for um, Community Pulse. I'm trying to get foods, either curbside pickup or delivery, um, and I'm having a really hard time. They're, they are both overloaded, both the delivery system and the curbside pickup systems, at least at the store I shop at. So um, you might want to go through the comments again about if you go to the grocery store, what's the best way to do it? Because I, I think I'm going to have to go to the grocery store. I don't see a way that I'm going to be able to get my groceries otherwise. Anyway, I don't know, maybe other people are having the same problem. Thoughts, Elizabeth? Yeah, I am hearing this a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are asking, just like we're asking our uh, uh, emergency responders, our prisons, our nursing homes, and our hospitals to do things differently, our schools. I mean, I, I'm not trying to leave anybody out. Everybody's doing everything differently, and it's not working all that great to suddenly change on a dime. Um, And I know everybody wants me to go over how they can go into the grocery store safely, and and I will do that. So you should have a list. You should go when the grocery store is not very full. You should go quickly. You should wear a mask. There is no reason to wear gloves. and you should touch things only as you need to, and you should, they should, you should, it should be like you do at a buffet or a cocktail party. Anything you touch is yours. It goes in your cart. Um, and if you're not sure you want it, don't touch it. Um, uh, go quickly. Stay six feet away from everybody, farther if you can. And um, if you're one of our vulnerable people, a smoker, <clears throat> an elder, or someone with a comorbidity, find someone else to go for you. Um, <clears throat> And um, uh, check out as distantly as you can and then get out of the store. Now that I've said and then wash your hands when you get home. Now that I've said that, I'm just begging you, Christine, I love you so much. I think that the need to go into a grocery store right now is often more of a lack of creativity and a wet lack of a willingness to change than it is a lack of uh, groceries. So um, clovers, uh, if you order online uh, right now, the, their turnaround time is same day. Um, you order online and you go pick it up. Yep, clovers cost more money. So get the things that you, if you can afford to support that incredible community resource that's doing these amazing things. They are not allowing anybody into their store but their staff, and they have their staff on an A team and a B team with A substitutes and B substitutes, so they are not exposing it. It, they're they're minimizing their exposure to each other as well, and so we should support the, the the organizations that are doing that. I hear Natural Grocers is doing a similar thing, as much as we can afford to. If that's out of your budget, then get the things you can't go without, uh, with something like that, and then um, get in line for the uh, online, not in person, for the other grocery stores. So I asked this question to the Facebook page, working to work together in community Columbia, Missouri. 
And um, I just said, what experience are people having with curbside pickup or delivery groceries? And I'm getting beautiful answers. And um, it seems like Clover's um, and Instacart are getting head and shoulders the most beautiful uh, responses. Um, also, there are you can get your um, groceries from the Columbia Farmers Market without any contact, so you can um, go on their website and make an order. And then there is um, <clears throat> Missouri Local Roots, R-O-U-T-E-S, and they are delivering things from local farms. Um, so there, I we may have to change our grocery stores, um, and I, you know, because what we do is we live in a capitalist society where our businesses are responsive to our shifts in our patterns. If grocery stores that are not responding lose market share, they will notice and they will change their behavior. So um, I wish that we were doing this top down. I tend to be somebody who thinks that um, if the uh, folks in power would just say, yeah, we're not letting people into grocery stores anymore. The grocery stores would figure it out. Um, and I know there are some exceptions. We have not figured out yet how people who um, use EBT or the um, state-supported way of uh, having uh, people get groceries or uh, WIC um, haven't figured this out yet. And so those people still need to go in the grocery store. And if we care about those people, which I do, then we need to, the rest of us stay out of the grocery store so that they're safer for the people who have to go in. Uh, but in general, when I'm hearing people and I'm having deeper conversations with people about why they feel the need to go in, they're usually short of a um, a perishable like milk or bread, and neither of those are essential nutrients for a healthy, balanced diet. So if you're gonna, if you need to go three or four days or a week or two, I have patients who don't eat milk or bread for years on end. So um, I get it that people um, really want to eat the food they want to eat, and I know there are some people who are running out of calories. Those people need to do whatever it takes to get their groceries, but please keep thinking of a way you can stay out of the stores. Yep. I do also want to add that uh, listener Judy called to let us know that um, Gerbs and Hy-Vee are, are offering uh, free grocery delivery to at-risk groups. Um, and so I know a lot right. of a lot of local um, businesses and chains are adapting. Um, so I do recommend you call ahead to confirm uh, that information. I don't know exactly how that works. I have not tried a delivery service myself, but um, there are a lot of options out there and um, just we yeah we've mm-hmm. had deliveries that have gone really well from um, Gerbs and some pickup that's gone well from Hy-Vee. So I think all of the grocery stores are working really hard. And again, I know that everybody. If you've got a special question like how do I get the free delivery, that I would if you have internet access. I know not everybody does, but if you have, start with the website. The people who work in these stores are pretty overwhelmed. Um, they're doing a great job, and it is going to take a while. But I, I'm glad that we're doing things like trying to limit who goes in and lining up outside the stores and all of that. But it really, um, staying out of the store is by far better than going into the store. So I'm really urging people in the same way we're urging people to not go to work and not go to school and not go to church this weekend and to do that online. I'm asking I'm also just continue to say Please don't go into the stores. Find another way. Right. So we've also had a lot of questions about the appropriate amount of social distancing. So um, I'm going to combine a few questions here. But we had uh, listener Melinda ask if if you could take a deeper dive into a safe distance. CDC says six feet. Others say 10 feet. We have another listener 
um, who heard from a scientist in Oregon that uh, recommends 27 feet. And another another listener asked if, if it's really not safe for, say, three people to gather around a fire eight feet apart with masks on. So um, what do you have yeah. to say about that? Right. The farther we can stay away from people, the better. And the more we can have the air going by us, the better. And um, uh, gathering around a fire, um, you know, people have to decide what they're going to do. But that's breaking the rule of we're only leaving our homes and our households for essential um, activities, which most of us consider to be things like obtaining food, obtaining health care, you know, dealing with emergencies, um, getting our cars fixed if they're falling apart. Um, so um, a, a uh, gathering around a campfire, to me, at its highest would be a religious observation, and we're asking everybody to shift that and be more distancing. So is it safe if there's a fire, you're outside, you're wearing masks, you're more than eight feet apart? Maybe, but you're still gathering in a non-essential way. So um, people are doing things like, I'm going to go visit my grandmother, uh, but we're, I'm going to sit in the driveway and she's going to come out and sit outside on her porch and we're going to be six feet apart. And um, I, that's a non-essential gathering. Now, you know, we got to deal with people's mental health um, and everybody's got to make their own decisions. So I get that. Um, interesting studies looking at, I mean, this, this is now a place where people are doing scientific, uh, more scientific studies or or publicizing things that we've known for a while about what happens with particle size, um, how how are these things spread, what happens when you sneeze, what is the velocity of small particles in a cough. And it appears that when we breathe or cough or sneeze or sing or laugh or shout, that... Um, that there's a cloud of droplets and small particles and aerosols that come out of our mouths and noses at varying rates and varying sizes and travel varying distances. Um, apparently a sneeze goes uh, 21 to 23 feet um, and a cough goes more like 14 or 15 feet. And that when we do something like say run, we're, you know, once we get our heart rate up and our breathing rate up, we're, the volume of what's coming out is different. And then there you have to consider humidity and wind and how far the, how fast the person is traveling. And so um, the farther apart we can stay from people, especially, and if we can avoid going into places where the air gets recirculated, um, we don't think that furnace filters and air conditioner filters are filtering out the virus very well. Um, and we think that these small aerosol droplets I mean, an aerosol particles can float in the air for as long as three hours. So, you know, the question is how how meticulous do we really need to be? And I think it depends a little bit on what our goal is. So if you are a vulnerable person, a smoker, an elder, a person with other um, health challenges, then we really want you to stay farther away from other people. And if you are young and vigorous and are doing the you're an essential worker, then you're going to have to be making compromises. And um, it isn't like, oh, everything is 100% safe until you get to six feet and then it's 100% risky. There's a, it's a nuanced um, thing. And, and honestly, we just really don't know. Um, so, so that is, is um, 
my best guess about those things is that it really depends. Mm-hmm. We had another listener asking about, uh, are there any non-emergency medical appointments that are worth the risk of keeping at the moment? So say, for example, a shot that's overdue, a blood draw, a dermatology appointment, or, or even if uh, it's a veterinary appointment for, for a pet. Right. So um, we um, that those are personal decisions that probably need to be made in consultation with the person's uh, primary care provider, with the person who's ordering that stuff. More and more things are going um, virtual. So I think all but two of my visits in the last month have been um, virtual. Some things can't be done virtually, um, but um, something that was scheduled a year or more out um, probably could be postponed another six months to a year. Um, and uh, we're, we, honestly, we just don't know about a lot of these things. Like the, the designation of, for example, a yearly mammogram is something that people debate anyway, whether they should be every two years. or um, So we've, we've picked some arbitrary um, schedules for these things. Um, the, the people that I'm, and I'm feeling even more, um, hard for is not, not trying to, there are some really hard decisions people are having to make. Um, so people who are in the midst of say cancer treatment, um, they're vulnerable. Um, they're going to be going into places where they, we really can't separate people as well as we would like to. And yet interrupting their course of therapy is going to have an impact on their long-term health as well. So these are decisions that need to be made on an individualized basis. But in general, I would say if you had something that was scheduled many months ago, that it's probably a good idea to check in with whoever it is that you're going to see or whoever ordered it and ask whether, it, whether first of all, you should just go ahead and get it done really quickly now um, before we've reached peak or whether it could wait four to six months until things are back into a different set of normal. Well, we have time to uh, address one or two more questions here. We had a question from Margaret. Is it safe to swim in a lake if you keep a distance? So I don't know. Um, right now, we're the questions about water transmission have a lot to do with our wastewater treatment. We know that you can find active viral particles in urine and feces, um, but we are not seeing. Um, this does not seem to spread the way um, viruses do that are that that are readily spread that way. So we're not seeing um, transmission the way we would with cholera. We're seeing this is a respiratory illness that is spread primarily by respiratory droplets and aerosols. So um, I think that most swimming things, um, if you're keeping your distance, that means there's someone else maybe in the pond with you or the lake with you, which means now you're gathering for a non-essential purpose. So if that person is in your household, you know, you're already exposed, go for it. If they're not in your household, you shouldn't be gathering with them. You should be in your household. I don't think anybody knows about whether if somebody swims in a pond and then somebody comes an hour later. I, I don't think we know because primarily because this this is an illness that is new to humans and it started in China in November. So we haven't had warm weather swimming in large populations that we know of. I'm going to guess that swimming pools, public pools and, and lakes may not be open this summer. 
All right. Well, that's about it for the time we have to address questions today. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts to leave us yeah. with, Elizabeth? Yeah, the one thing is that I get a lot of questions about what to do with surfaces and items that come into your house. And the thing I think that we are soap and water is your friend. Wash your hands after you touch them. And... Um, and remember that don't get confused. This is a respiratory illness. So mainly it's the sharing of air that is the problem. And while we ought to be attentive to surfaces, we should not be distracted by the idea that the surfaces are more important than the air. Well, thank you so much. Once again, we're speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters. Elizabeth, have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thanks for joining Bye. us. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in and for connecting and engaging. We love to hear from you. If you have a question for Dr. Alleman, you can call 573-874-1139. We may address your question on future broadcasts. You can leave that question as a message, or you can send it in an email to gm at kopn.org. Please stay tuned. Coming up next is Open Mic Radio, followed by Speaking of the Arts. Wonderful arts lineup as usual for Friday mornings here on KOPN Columbia.